Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is the New Rust Station podcast, a show about learning the Rust programming language. This is bonus episode four. We can have nice things. First up, some news, and there's a bunch of it this week. Rust 1.8 was released this past week. It's been just under a year since 1.0 came out, and in that time we've seen fairly dramatic movement forward in the language. But, and this continues to amaze me, without any substantive breaking changes, we have had stability without stagnation. Just about any package, and I say just about because it's not all of them, but just about any package that built on 1.0 still builds, despite the language having gained all these new capabilities. I love that. There are a few nice changes that have landed in Rust 1.8 in particular. One, the plus equals and minus equals and other similar operators are now overloadable via the op assign family of traits, like add assign. That's a small but very nice improvement. Getting to a point where all those kinds of things are extensible via traits makes for a much more consistent and much more robust programming model for Rust. It makes it easier to hold in your head and know what you can and can't do. Two, the first steps toward building Rust itself with cargo instead of with make are now on the stable build. This is bootstrapping taken to another level. We're headed to a point when Rust itself will be used for all the pieces around building Rust. Now, if you're worried about not-invented-here syndrome, that's a good caution in general. But having experienced quite a few different package managers and build tools lately, I still think this is a good move. Make is a great tool, and it's got decades to prove it, but... Cargo is a much better one, at least for these purposes, and the combination of Cargo and Crates.io is really, really good. It is way better than pretty much anything else out there right now. Three, in just a few release cycles, Rust will no longer require a special nightly build of Rust to build itself. It will always be built using the previous version of the compiler. So, for example, 1.10 will be built with 1.9, and 1.11 with 1.10, and so on. More bootstrapping. Last but not least, there is a new tool for managing Rust installations, which is currently in beta. It is called RustUp, which is the same name as the current standard install script, but it's actually just a pure Rust implementation of the old multi-Rust tool. If you're familiar with tools like RBNV or PyEnv or NVM or things like that, this is that kind of a tool. It allows you to manage multiple installations of Rust and set local directory rules for which version to use in a given project and so on. You should check it out at rustup.rs. Second, a quick note on scheduling. The reason you're getting a bonus episode today instead of a full episode specifically. The last few weeks have been really, really busy for me. I've had extra stuff going with my master's degree, I've had my normal workload, and I've had things going on with family. But I've still had rust on my mind a lot, and between watching the 1.8 release come out and watching Sean Griffin do a live coding exercise on his diesel ORM, which was fun, and if you get a chance to watch someone coding live, you should take it. As ridiculously nerdy as that sounds, it really is fun. And then, last but not least, by comparison with all the JavaScript I've been writing for my day job, I've just had a lot of rust on my mind. So, here a bonus episode. And the strings episode I plan to record this coming weekend, so you'll still be getting it soon. As I said, I've been writing a lot of JavaScript, and specifically a lot of Ember.js for my day job. And I like Ember. 
and I like JavaScript all right, but I keep looking around for something that's like Rust, but in the JavaScript world. There are plenty of compiled-to-JavaScript languages out there, everything from CoffeeScript, which kind of kicked off that whole trend, to TypeScript, which pretty strongly shows the influence of the .NET and C-sharp team from which it's coming, to Elm and PureScript, which are both heavily inspired by Haskell. But none of them have, at least to my mind, the really wonderful mix of pragmatism and elegance that seems to characterize Rust to me. Rust is a fairly unique mix. It has that extremely capable type system, it has performance on its side, and it has what we often call ergonomics, how it feels to use the language. And that's not any one thing in particular. It is syntax and semantics, it's having a strong but expressive type system, it's not having any nulls in the language, it's having powerful enumerations, it's being trait-oriented instead of inheritance-oriented for polymorphism. It's the whole package put together. Basically, as a result, every day I write JavaScript and I look at the alternatives, or even at other fairly solid languages like C Sharp, and I come away more impressed by how well-designed Rust is. People often wonder what the best way to learn a programming language is. And the answer you often hear is just use it. But how? How do you start? Especially if it's not something you can use day to day for work, though we'll come back to that in a minute, or if it's a case where you don't have a specific project in mind for it. One of the best answers I have found increasingly is use it to build all the little tools you need for other projects. So a colleague noted that the way he learned F-sharp in a way that finally stuck was using it with the fake tool to write and now maintain a bunch of our in-house tooling for builds. You can do the same kind of thing with Rust. Just write something in it. Because as much as Rust gets pegged as a, quote, systems programming language, unquote, because it has this ability to do low-level work— the truth is that it's also just really good in its own right for general programming tasks. So over the weekend, I saw some posts on Hacker News about the Rust 1.8 release, and interestingly, I saw a number of commenters hitting on this same idea, this same theme. They noted that they'd been using Rust more and more for the kinds of small projects where they once would have defaulted to something like Python. Between how solid Cargo is for package management and builds... And the fact that once you get a Rust binary to compile, a lot of times it already does exactly what you want it to, you have a pretty powerful combination there. And it's also the kind of thing you can just install and run on any platform. And anyone who's spent time trying to distribute, say, Python or Ruby programs knows how valuable that is. Not having to install a runtime to install a program is a really big deal. I was talking about this on Twitter in light of that Hacker News thread, and someone responded exactly how I've felt about this for a while now. Rust, quote, feels like Python, runs like C, unquote. And in fact, that's actually what attracted me to Rust in the first place. I remember very distinctly when I started reading the Rust book, thinking, this is the first language I think might actually replace Python as my go-to tool in general, and that's been borne out by the last eight months of using it for little things here and there, and just seeing other people do the same thing. 
While it might sound crazy to use Rust instead of Python for doing relatively high-level work, again, there's all that press out there about writing operating systems, and yes, it is good at that. That's not the only thing it's good at. The type system and the good compiler mean that Rust is versatile and it's capable in all sorts of domains. So next time you need a utility to do one little thing on the command line, write it in Rust. You may be surprised at how straightforward it is, and you'll almost certainly learn things about using Rust, and you'll probably come away with a better appreciation for just how well-designed the language is. I certainly have, and I intend to keep doing so. And if you're on the fence about learning Rust, that's actually a great way to get a feel for what the language is like day-to-day as well. So I commend it to you. Thanks to Hamza Sheikh, Chris Palmer, and Vesa Kailavirta for sponsoring the show this month. You can see a full list of sponsors in the show notes. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can set up recurring contributions at patreon.com slash newrustation, or you can give a one-off contribution at Venmo, Dwala, or Cash.me, or you can just get in touch with me directly. You can find links to those, as well as to the discussion threads I mentioned, at newrustation.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at newrustation, or you can follow me there, at Chris Kreitcho. You can, of course, help others find the show by rating and reviewing it on iTunes, recommending it in some other podcast directory, or tweeting or posting about it on other social media, or, of course, you can just tell a friend. Please do respond, say hello on social media, in the thread for the episode on the Rust User Forum at users.rustlang.org, or you can just shoot me an email at hello at newrustation.com. Until next time, happy coding.